the mental rep. <laughs> Welcome back to The Mental Rep, a district podcast where each week we dive into the complex topics of training, nutrition, and recovery with a sprinkle of neuroscience in a roundtable discussion led by top professionals in the fitness and sport performance. My name is Daniel Willace. I'll be holding hosting the podcast today. I'm here with my co-owner of the district, Scott Gunter. Welcome back. Here we are. Here we are. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about the three extremes of energy balance, and I'm going to toss this over to Scott and he's going to give us a little idea of like what energy balance actually is when it pertains to fitness, nutrition, and all of that jazz. Okay. So people come to the gym for various reasons. Either they want to change their body in forms of weight. They want to increase muscle mass. Um, but most of what it involves is balancing energy. So in order to achieve one of those results, we have to balance energy. And what energy is, is kind of the flow of things through the body, how we operate, how we how we move, how we function. But because we can manipulate that, that can impact how how much energy we hold, how much weight we hold, and what happens to our muscle, what happens to our body fat. So the main things that we take a look at are are the exercise that we're doing. So we have two sides of this equation, balancing energy. We have the energy in and the energy out. So from energy out, that's going to be exercise that we're doing. That's going to be things like thermic effective food. That's going to be your basal metabolic rate. Um, it, there's a lot of factors that go into that energy outside. And then on the energy inside, it has to do with the type of food that we're eating, how much food we're eating. And we're talking today about balancing that scale out and what happens if you do one of those sides? What happens if you do both of those? What if you do an extreme of one form of that? Yeah. I guess just for our listeners, just to give a quick overview, basal metabolic rate is essentially, um, you know, how many calories, how much energy you need just basically to survive. So it's just based on your weight, your age, um, metabolism, all of that nonsense. Nonsense. Not really nonsense, uh, but also all has that to stuff. do with also yeah, it has to do with your weight as well. So it can have to do with how much muscle mass you actually currently hold. Uh, some genetic components, what's going on from a physiological standpoint, your your hormones as well. And there are different things that we can do to change that or manipulate that. But what we you don't tend to read articles in in magazines or online that say how how to speed up your basal metabolic rate. It's usually eat these foods to lose weight or don't eat these foods, the best diet for you, or this workout will get you looking like Wolverine. Do this every single day. So most of what people are addressing are going to be just the calories in, the energy that we're taking in or the, the food that we're taking in or the, the exercise. But we tend to see not everybody's walking around with washboard abs, not everybody's walking around healthy. So why is that? We, we tend to see certain people being able to commit to extremes and either they're very strict with their nutrition, they're very strict with their training and they're not addressing the nutrition, or maybe they're very strict with both. So we wanted to introduce a couple of those extremes and talk about what that really looks like in somebody's everyday life, who is really doing that, and maybe why that's that's good for that group, maybe why that isn't good for everybody and, and who really what you should gravitate towards to reach your goals and uh, based on your individual characteristics. Cool. Cool. So I guess, Scott, I, let, let's dive into it. So we're going to go over those three categories again, just, you know, the extreme of training, extreme of nutrition, and then just kind of like the plethora of both. Um, do you want to define quickly, like what it kind of looks like when somebody's going in towards that extreme of just strictly nutrition? They're not worrying about their fitness. They're not worrying about anything else. They're just thinking only diet, diet, diet. So we, 
we say extreme, but th- this could also include the people who are simply just just addressing their nutrition. Maybe you you read some articles, you are you could be meal prepping. Maybe you're just somebody who shops at Whole Foods and you're making sure everything you're having is minimally processed, organic, uh, seasonal, varied, and you're getting good quality nutrients. Now, if you are not also doing any exercise associated with that, you are kind of missing a component of that, but you, you do tend to get results. Usually these are people who are not walking around carrying a lot of extra body fat. They um, tend to be pretty lean. Uh, what I would say without the exercise or resistance training component is what they tend to miss is, is actual toned muscle. They, they tend to have almost this like maybe skinny fat type characteristic yeah. or look a little more, more frail, but from a blood panel standpoint, they might be relatively healthy, but there are some serious health benefits to exercise. And that could be as little as, as you walking to you actually doing resistance training exercise, which is stimulating lean muscle development, taking those good quality calories and, and pushing them towards, towards muscle gain and, and really just helping you move in general. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I heard once on just, and I saw this on social media actually, um, but one of the things I loved the most was the best way to change up your body composition is through resistance training or like that gold standard almost where it's like, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the extreme on that and what that kind of looks like. But, you know, obviously, like you said, if you're doing all of that, you're going to be healthy. You're going to feel probably pretty good, but you're probably not going to have that muscle tone that you're looking for. See, I I would almost, I would, I would agree with the muscle tone, but to, if we're saying to change your body, the the fastest way, most effective way to change your body, if if we're saying from a lose weight standpoint, say you are an overweight person and you want to lose weight, I would almost say that I, I would say the nutrition is the most important thing for you to to start to do. And you can probably make better results doing just the extreme nutrition standpoint, not addressing exercise too much, as opposed to the opposite of not doing anything with your nutrition and just addressing exercise, simply based on the fact that it is so much easier to eat a ton of calories than it is to burn that same amount of calories. So you have a candy bar that's 300 calories, say it's 300 calories versus uh, lettuce or a salad that's 300 calories versus the amount of exercise you have to do to burn that 300 calories. Even if we're talking, you do your exercise and you're continuing to get epoch or excess post oxygen consumption, you're continuing to burn epoch. calories after your workout. Word. Great, great <laughs> acronym. Um, but still, even if you're doing your workout and you're continuing to burn some calories after the amount of work that you have to actually do to burn those same amount of calories is pretty significant versus just not eating that candy bar. So from a fat loss standpoint, I would say nutrition is going to be above emphasizing yes. the extreme training. I was talking more so body composition. So like your shape, all of that, which I guess can kind of lead into like the next extreme of just like simply training only. And like, you've probably heard this before. And if not, then hopefully this is a nice little gold gem for you. You can't eat, out train a diet. Essentially saying censor like, that <laughs> censor that out. <laughs> you can't out-train a bad diet, which essentially like to read what Scott, what you were saying, it's like, you know, when we're in the gym, you know, on average, most people are probably going to burn on the upper end in an hour, maybe 500 calories, right? You know, I think we can agree that's kind of a nice yeah, little average up there. up there, maybe a little less. You know, it, it's super easy. Like the amount of uh, beer and pizza we ate this weekend, it's that I ate this weekend, 500 calories would probably be that one slice that I had. So 
it's really easy to kind of overeat and just kind of out eat what you just burned and when it comes I, towards body composition. I looked up the other day. We we are, I guess, fortunate, unfortunate to be right down the road from a Costco who has extremely cheap food, but extremely oh, so. unhealthy food. So I looked up one of their pizzas, a whole pizza there is 4,000 calories. Oh yeah, the whole pie, right? The whole pie is 4,000 calories. So Challenge you do accepted. the math. You're, you're splitting that with one person or two people. You have a lot of working out to do if you want to level that playing field. Now you say you can't out-train a bad diet. I, I would say you can't or shouldn't, but I would, I would say you can it's just extremely difficult the amount of work that you would do i mean because this is energy balance we're talking about there is always a way you can eat a good amount of food and we we hear about michael phelps's diet where he's taking in like upwards of six thousand to ten thousand calories oh, yeah, uh, especially while training stupid i mean that's probably why he got person. busted for like smoking <laughs> i mean now now that now nowadays it'd be kind of cool. hijacks the conversation Sorry. and brings it into it. okay um but we see him <laughs> him taking in that many calories but the amount of exercise that he's doing on a daily basis he's in the pool for hours on end and probably doing multiple workouts a day if you were taking in a significant amount of calories the four thousand plus range there is a amount of exercise and amount of calories that you could burn that could level that but it might damn near kill you and can you recover from that and on top of that is it worth it because you're not getting a lot of nutrients in the foods that you're actually eating because most of those calorie dense foods are also not nutrient dense you can maybe improve the body composition, but what do your blood tests look like? Is your doctor happy with you? Probably not. I mean, that was, that so. was rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> so extreme training. Who does that? What does that look like? And I mean, who does that work for? A kind of idea like extreme training when it when we think about it, and obviously as a barbell sport athlete, you know, competing in powerlifting, uh, hopefully weightlifting soon. It, it's pretty traditional that like you see like people like powerlifters who. You know, a lot of people, when you talk to them, why they got into the sport exactly was so that they can just lift as heavy as they want and not give a, like a damn about their nutrition. Um, I, mean, I what, think what the, do the body types look like? Not great. I, I would say like over the last like three to five years, I think there's been a big trend with the change. And I think people are starting to understand um, just the overall science a little, little bit better where higher level powerlifters you, you see are in good shape actually look like they lift but like if we're kind of looking back at oh man like probably like the 90s early 2000s powerlifters like the heavy big boys like mark bell and um who did i do that internship with oh carini for example they're all big boys 300 plus pounds you know sitting um maybe like under six foot and those are big boys lifting heavy getting strong hitting records you know some of the records are still standing but for example, like when I was doing my internship with Joe Carini, um, he lost a significant amount of weight because he realized after, even though he hit all these numbers, hit all of uh, these records, you know, at 35, he had a massive heart attack. And now he's sitting at, hey, like he can barely, he only recently was able to start really walking again. So not the healthiest. Not the healthiest. I mean, but I think at this point he's doing pretty well, but, and he's getting in better shape, but he's not hitting the numbers that he was. Well, you see a lot of people start in, in powerlifting in these strength sports, even um, strongmen, and they see a direct correlation, probably the most direct correlation between their body weight and the weight that they can yeah. actually lift. So the second they start to lose weight, they actually feel that on the bar. They feel like it's harder to, to lift behind that. So they also correlate 
if I eat more, I lift more and lifting more is good. So I'm not really paying attention to how good my nutrition is. I'm paying attention to how many calories, how many calories I'm taking in and making sure that I'm eating a lot. And that that's where you get that extreme. That's not as healthy, but one, one person comes to mind, especially in strongman. If you think of the typical strongman person, uh, we'll say Eddie Hall, for example, big boy, big, like they, there was, there's a Netflix documentary that goes into their, their daily lives and just looks at really what their shopping carts look like. One, I don't know how they afford to eat like that every single week. I don't know. Your shopping cart is full for a week, like up to the brim, borderline two shopping carts. And you're just eating everything in sight. And most of them have a pretty big belly too. They're, they're pulling their belts into their belly and they're just like flexing into that. And then there's half Massive. What's that? The mountain. Oh yeah, absolutely gigantic. Gigantic, but ripped. Also, yeah. also has abs. And he kind of sets that standard and, and sets himself apart from that by maybe addressing the nutrition and the training yep. or having some extra help. Who knows? Either way, we already know he has a little extra help. Either way, the people who are just addressing training, maybe those are the people who are, if your primary goal is not fat loss and your goal is to lift as much as possible, those are the people who might pay attention to that a little bit more and emphasize the training, the resistance, because you can't just eat well. You can't just go to Whole Foods and then walk a couple of miles every day and expect yourself to be stronger. You need to actually get the weight on the bar. You need to have your muscles feel that training stimulus so that they have to adapt and grow. Um, but then there's people who do both. Now, so, who would that be? And we're talking about the extremes of people. So not just not just your, your average person and most of our clients that we are coaching here who want improved quality of life, improved health, better movement. We are addressing both training nutrition. We're also addressing the recovery component because really if you neglect any one of those three, you are leaving something on the table. You're not maximizing what you can for all of those. But for the sake of today's podcast, looking at the extremes. So somebody who is measuring out every single macro, every calorie that they're they're taking in from a nutrition standpoint, they're measuring their volume, they're tracking everything, they are progressing. Who does that and what kind of results do they get you know what is their life like well it's it's centered around that like when we think about like those kinds of athletes those that kind of person it's you know the either competitive like aesthetic um athlete so a bodybuilder bikini competitor anything in that kind of realm uh movie stars people like movie stars but for a short period of time they usually have an out and and it's usually, okay, you have this role coming up in maybe six months. You have this budget. It's usually an astronomical budget. You're going to give it to a lucky trainer and he's going to say, okay, nice. <laughs> you're doing this tailored supplement program. You are doing two-a-day training. You are having all your meals cooked for you by a chef who's already factored in the macros and everything else like that. And we are not leaving any room in your life to fail. But also you have the motivation and an end goal. So for most people, one of the hardest things for them to push through to their goals is maybe having kind of an open-ended type outlook for their training, or maybe they they got to a point in their lives where they don't have yeah. that significant that lifestyle. drive anymore where it's it's not, oh my God, I'm I'm 20 something and I need to settle down. I need to attract the most perfect mate. I Maybe I'm already married, already have kids. I already have a job. I'm getting a little complacent and the dad maybe, bod. maybe I have a dad bod and maybe people are saying dad bods are in. So what is my motivation to get there? If you're the movie star, you have a role as Thor coming up and you're getting paid millions of dollars to do that 
that's a different level of motivation. If you're an athlete and you have a season coming up, that's a different level of motivation because the money is there, the esteem is there, and that significant endpoint is there. So the people in that extreme training category, or, or sorry, extreme both category, where they're addressing the nutrition, they're addressing the um, training components as well. We have your your actors, actresses, your celebrity athletes, your people who have the highest level of motivation, but also the, the and they tend to have a yeah. maybe pretty crazy social life, we'll say. They're there's a lot of people around them who are pumping up their ego and and saying they're the best and are also in support of their lifestyle because they understand they have this this extra goal, this either sports game that's coming up or this um, movie that's coming up. But what about the people who are doing physique or doing something for themselves? They have a personal contest. They may have a bunch of other people around them who are also doing that, but what type of a toll does this take on, on their bodies, their brains, their social lives? What we wanted to also talk about was when you do these different extremes or at both ends of the spectrum, what type of body style does it lead to? What habits are associated with it and who really falls into that category? What people also don't realize is there are trade-offs with with all of these. Yeah. So you can either be on an unhealthy end of the spectrum where you are maybe overweight, you're above a certain body fat percentage, and there's definitely trade-offs there from your health. But then you could be on the other end of the spectrum where you are almost too lean, you have too low body composition, and there's trade-offs there. So Dan and I are going to go through a couple different um, levels of that, and we'll talk about body composition, what that looks like, and go from there. So one of the certifications that we often reference, so one that you already currently have, one that I'm pursuing, like one of the newer ones, is precision, precision nutrition, which you know I love a lot of the information that they pump out because they're just they are some of the gold standard leading professionals in the industry. And not just nutrition, but they do habit change psychology. They, yes. they don't just say, here's a meal template, follow this. They talk about all the other factors that are associated with nutrition, how it's not just the food I'm putting in my mouth. There's social aspects of it. There's psychological aspects of it. So Precision Nutrition put together a really good PDF that we often reference with our clients called the cost of getting lean. Because oftentimes people come in here, they and see is somebody- is it really worth the trade-off? Is it worth the trade-off? People come in and they say, oh, I, I saw this movie star. I want to look like them. Or I want to look like this model who I just saw on the uh, New York fashion show this weekend. And oftentimes they don't really realize what's associated with that, what the lifestyle is. They want to look that way, but do they want everything that also comes with that and, and what trade-offs they actually have to um, pay attention to? So the other thing I would say is most people don't have a good understanding of what their body fat percentage is and what the body fat percentages are of the people that they're looking at. So we have two ends of the spectrum. There's a high body fat percentage. So really for men, anything that's greater than 20% for women, anything greater than 30% is generally considered unhealthy. And we're talking body fat percentage. I don't look a lot at BMI or, or um, body mass index because it, it really- It doesn't really it, equate it, into like muscle tone. It, and it takes the height equation into it. And oftentimes you get people who are read as obese that really aren't. So a lot of doctors tend to use that because it's an easy scale and easy number. But what tends to tell more of the story of your body composition is your body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. It is just a little harder to actually measure. Um, but people who fit that 
that unhealthy category. Usually you're not going to have a lot of athletes in that category, but the reason a lot of people stay there is because it is an easy fallback. It's relatively easy to stay there. You're, you're eating processed foods, you're eating large portions, you're eating pretty quickly. What you're not doing is exercising a lot. You're really not eating too many whole foods and you're probably not addressing your recovery things. I like that they actually discuss sleep in here too, because from a body composition standpoint, you, you need to have good recovery systems in place or you're not in a position to lose fat. Your cortisol levels are, are not where they should be. Your body is in this storage mode and you're not going to position yourself to lose fat regardless of if you're introducing some exercise. Um, so talk about those healthy ranges. So when we think about healthy ranges, Scott, like what you said, the over 20%, over 30% for females, um, most men are probably going to find themselves when we think about healthy range for athletes specifically or even just like people who naturally want to work out in general and stay in that healthy composition you know for men we're looking at anywhere between on the lowest end you know six percent and you know that's going to be kind of like people going into the bodybuilding stage um you know high level athletes runners stuff like that um a little bit on the higher end is going to be closer towards that 20 percent threshold that's going to look like you know, a college days aged athlete, off-season bodybuilder, shot putter, anything like that. So some of the bigger um, athletes. Females a little bit higher just because females hold a little more body fat generally. Generally do need more body fat for normal healthy hormone production too. So oftentimes we, we have the questions where uh, people, people, women come to us for fat loss and they really want to chase these bodies that yeah. they're seeing on, again, on, on the runway and, and models and stuff like that. But it's important to note that that isn't, healthy. isn't necessarily healthy. Always. Um, Not always. It, yeah. And especially staying there for extended periods of time, it's, it's difficult to get out of. So if we look at that other range, obviously, if your body fat percentage is too high, that's going to be unhealthy for numerous health reasons. For body fat percentages so males under six percent females under about 16 percent body fat that's generally unhealthy too so the people that generally find themselves in that category you're gonna have elite bodybuilders but not all the time on contest day yes, is yes. generally when you're going to enter that range um and for usually how long out would you start that taper when do you generally dip oh, down man, into most that people like notice that they're at, like a lot of the bodybuilders that are probably listening to this or if you talk to one of your friends who's a bodybuilder specifically they're going to note that like hey their body fat percentage at that stage is going to be when they're on that stage no, I'm not going to name the specific coach on our team, but when he cut down for his bodybuilding show, um, or I guess physique competition, he was, I, th I want to say he was like pushing six to 7% body fat. You know, um, unfortunately he didn't end up stepping on stage and I'm not going to name his name, Neil. Um, a few days, like within the week, he was back up to over 10%. If not like, and that's just from when he was able to track. So when we think about that, it's it's really important to note that like hey like that what you see when somebody looks like they are an action figure they're most of the time doing that for either a physique show a shoot anything like that where they're focusing specifically on that taper so that's the other thing to note too other people who fall into that category or could fall into that category are fitness models or people on their photo shoot day. So not prior to that, but on the photo shoot day, they dip down, they do a weight cut. We have to keep in mind that that's not necessarily healthy, but that is their job. That is what they are have chosen to do and they have to accept those trade-offs. Um, it's not 
healthy per se for an athlete to grab a football and run into another person as hard as possible, but that is their job. They're accepting those trade-offs. So in the same standpoint, elite bodybuilders, um, maybe even even MMA fighters or people that are going into a, yeah, weight, cut, a weight cut, they have to accept that there's a trade-off for that moment of time, but I'm not staying down there. The problem lies in the fact that we as the general population are seeing these pictures and now we're trying to aspire to those, not realizing that there's a lot more that goes into that. So even even behind like the six pack abs that everybody tries to tries to um, that achieve, there's a lot more that goes into that when your body composition is super low for that photo shoot. But then on top of that, we're getting things like airbrushing done. There's Photoshop that goes into it. There's lighting, there's effects. There's a whole bunch of other things that enhance this image and sell the product, sell the magazine or sell whatever you're looking at. But just quickly a note, we are talking about people who want to do this from a natural aspect, people who aren't utilizing PED, so performance enhancing drugs that are going to make it a little bit easier for them to see those results. And the people who are spending their time in in this low less than six percent for males and the um, less than sixteen percent for females, there's trade-offs like loss of sex drive, disordered eating, social isolation. So the people around you, you literally have to prioritize in order to get there. You have to prioritize every aspect of your life around that, and that means you're maybe taking out Tupperware containers if you go out to dinner with people. You are. Uh, maybe the odd one out because you are saying no to going out. You're going to bed early. You are hydrating, bringing a, a huge bottle of water everywhere you go. And unless you have a significant team around you, either coaching or somebody else who's going through the same process as you, you might experience social isolation. The other aspect is when your body fat percentage is that low, you are moody. You are ir oh, irritable. Like, it, your relationships can be strained. Like You almost have to go into it knowing that there are going to be some times where you just don't, it probably shouldn't be around people and maybe this, take, actually. let's hear it. <laughs> so I remember, oh my gosh, the amount of times that like, when I, I've been around so many people who've gone through contest prep and I've even coached a few. And at this point in my career, I am never going to coach another contest prep kind of individual just because one, they are moody as hell. Like, Anything that is slightly wrong, even if it's going right, they're still moody. And that's something I just personally can't handle or don't want to have time for. But that's besides the point. Um, when you're talking about the whole libido aspect and just like the sex drive, I remember uh, I've had a few, again, having a few friends who have gone through this. They often will joke, like while one friend's going through it, like, dude, were you able to get it up last night? <laughs> it's a common joke, but that's when you're going through it and you're going through the relationship with somebody as well. It's a real thing that you have to actually worry about, not being able to, one, get it up or even want to perform. I mean, when your body fat is that low and you, you your energy intake is that low, your body starts to prioritize some other things like basic survival. And, and yeah. sex reproduction is maybe not as important as surviving after that. So it, you're kind of prioritizing your vital systems and maybe diverting some energy from, from those systems as well. So yeah. naturally, you're not going to be able to... Um, to be involved in that. So it, it makes it more difficult. There's definitely those trade-offs, which is why you really shouldn't hang down there for an extended period of time. But let's talk about those healthy ranges. What are some habits that people do that stay in that range? So if we look at the lowest end of that range, uh, so we're talking males, you're, you're 15 to 20% body like fat. You're mid-teens. Yeah. You're females, females like mid-20s. So what, what kinds of things are people doing that lead to that body fat percentage? Well, I mean, so it always comes down to kind of like the habit, the consistency, and kind of like making this a little bit more of a lifestyle or the integration into your lifestyle. 
So we're thinking about, you know, what we were talking about, the balance of like the two extreme or three extremes that we were talking about before. So balancing your fitness, balancing your nutrition. So having a regular exercise program, exercising three to five times a week. And when it comes towards nutrition, maybe not necessarily counting calories, but being a lot more mindful of, you know, the overall things that you're eating. So like having more whole foods, eating less processed foods, having a little bit here and there, but having that nice balance within your lifestyle. And to put a number on that, for that body fat percentage, that's basically using those habits, the eating slowly, the being mindful at about 60% of your meals. If you're doing that at about 60% of your meals, that is usually leading to that that healthy range of body yeah. fat. You're not going to be on the cover of a magazine during that, and that needs to be expected. But what's easy about this is you are feeling some improvements in your health and energy earlier. You're probably getting better sleep just based on your nutrition and your body composition being better. And exercise is not too taxing at this point. It's relatively enjoyable. You're you're getting a good balance. So many people who are previously in that obese category, you don't want to jump to that magazine cover that even the top range of healthy, you probably want to aim for this category and start to do some things like that. Exercise three to five times a week and at 60% of your meals, try some good habits. Again, we're, we're talking a little bit more about like those people who are risking overall social life, not necessarily like having trouble with libido, but then they're thinking about things like, hey, like I can't necessarily go out to eat with my friends because I need to have, I need to hit these macros. They're focusing probably a little bit more on, you know, their overall caloric intake, their macronutrient breakdown that they're thinking about. They're making sure that they're not missing a training session. So they're probably prioritizing stuff like that, which is, again, which is okay if that's the overall focus and overall goal. But then that's obviously things to kind of think about when it comes towards the social aspects. So we're thinking about people like within that body fat range, people who are like higher level athletes, maybe Olympic wrestlers, um, sprinters, gymnasts, stuff like that. So most people, most people are probably not going to be hanging around that category for too long. Just to show what that looks like, these are people who are working out maybe four to five times a week. They're eating slowly until satisfied. They're paying attention um, to their hunger and fullness cues and the speed at which they're eating at probably 95-ish percent of their meals. Um, so you go above that and we and you're counting calories and macros, you're probably dropping down to that unhealthy level if you're doing it for long enough. Now, keep in mind, this isn't you just do this for a day and then you hit that body fat percentage. This is you on a regular basis. Yeah. Now, the the idea behind these different levels is you should be able to see which level you're at currently and maybe aim for that next level. Look at what the next habits are that get you to that next level. Think about your current habits and just try to progress them a little bit till you settle into that range. Now, for most people, that highest end of healthy isn't sustainable because of those social situations, because the workouts are a little bit harder, the nutrition is a little more strict. They might be a little bit below that. They're still in the healthy range, but they also have to recognize that at maybe 12 to 15% body fat, they're not going to have the ripped six pack that they want. Um, they might enjoy their life a little bit more, yeah. but they have to manage those expectations. Yeah, these are people that we typically see like going on their summer cuts when you see them at the end of August. <laughs> they don't look like they did in June. But that's, that's also interesting to note because you can find a range that you settle into and what's sustainable for you. And then maybe you have these goals, a wedding coming up or maybe a summer cut. As long as it's not too dramatic, it's easier to go from one level to another level for a small period of time yeah. than it is to jump from obese to the unhealthy level of six pack abs and expect that to be sustainable. So the idea is figure out where you are, try some habits that lead a little bit better 
settle into what makes the most sense for you, your lifestyle, your social cues, um, the level of workouts that you can sustain and enjoy, the level of nutrition you can sustain and enjoy. And then if you have periods of time where you want to be a little bit leaner, you can dive into that one, jump one level at a time, and then have an exit strategy that doesn't just jump down to the, the bottom of the staircase, one that just retreats back to something that's more sustainable for you. Yeah, kind of like how I'm trying to currently go on a cut for my wedding in Cancun. Which is not tomorrow. It's in February. So he's got how many months? That's a great question. Eli would not be happy if I didn't know so He's this. got a certain amount of months until then, and he's starting to work on those, those uh, strategies right now. So it's really not just about doing the 30-day fitness challenge that just gets you as cut as possible and usually makes you jump back a little bit after that. You usually gain back what you lost. It's about taking that sustainable approach, doing something over a period of time, settling into what makes the most sense for you. So just in review, you have extreme nutrition where you're just addressing your nutrition and not addressing the the uh, resistance training or exercise. These are going to be your people who are relatively healthy, not a ton of body fat, but also not a lot of muscle tone either. You have the people who are addressing extreme training, not addressing the nutrition. These are going to be maybe your stronger people, your strength athletes that maybe have a little bit of a gut, possibly not the healthiest, but they are strong. They don't look like they lift. They don't look like they lift. Then you have somebody who's do. extreme on both. They do look like they lift. Yeah. Then you have the people who are extreme both, where they are addressing the nutrition and the training, but to a, an extreme. These are going to be your, your fitness models, your maybe celebrity actors and actresses, but also people who shouldn't be doing that completely year-round. Even the bodybuilders are coming off of a plan at a period of time and maybe coming off a time where they are not macro counting. Yeah. And then you have everybody who kind of the general population who should be because you're not going to do an extreme of one of these two or or you don't get the best results by doing an extreme of these you're doing a balanced approach that makes the most sense for you based on your social cues your eating habits what exercise level routine is most appropriate for you and then scaling effectively cool if you guys like what you hear, feel free to smash that subscribe button, like wherever you can, and feel free to listen to us on wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, I believe, iHeartRadio. So this has been The Mental Rep. Tune in next week for whatever Eric puts right after the beep. The mental <laughs> <laughs>